Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Thursday, it's April 7th. It is 2022, and it is MLB opening day 2022. We have six MB or MLB games that we're going to talk about here on today's podcast. We will have an NBA podcast up as well. Tomorrow will be NBA and MLB as well. Grant and Justin helping out. I'm off this week. But I've hosted the Morning Grind opening day for the last six years, so I had to make it seven years straight, and I had to bring in my buddy, Will Priester, Chief Justice 06. Chief, what's happening, my friend? Uh, nothing much, man. I, I've had a, a very uh, turbulent week myself, but I couldn't be happier to come on and talk opening day MLB. I mean, this is amazing. I, like I was telling you before the, the pod, I don't think I've been this excited for MLB <sighs> feels like ever. Like I'm really excited for MLB this year. So glad to come on and, and, and help the people try to make a few dollars to kick off, kick off the, uh, the week the, or opening day. Um, I am disappointed. We don't get the Dodgers on opening day. That's been a moneymaker for me. So I, I am so <clears throat> disappointed about that i'm talking about even going back to the um uh god what was the guy's name hernandez what was his first name um when he was on the team and uh a, a whole lot of other guys that that would were just i mean it was just awesome but we don't have that anymore that's when kershaw was striking out 20 guys a game and those days are long gone but we've got some good fresh talent i'm, I'm just excited as you guys can tell uh, definitely ready to, to, to kick this season off with the bang. Yeah, the first ever Morning Grind podcast was April 4th of 2016. So this will be the seventh year of the Morning Grind. Um, so, you know, we're going to get in, break down these baseball games and talk about it. Everyone knows that NASCAR and baseball are my babies. Um, I've played baseball for 20 years. I love baseball just as much as I love NASCAR. And yeah, man, I, I am excited for baseball season. I dabbled last year towards the end of the year and like the prop stuff with prize picks and stuff like that. 
I'm even more excited for that kind of stuff this year, really getting into that. So, you know, I'm a one to three lineup baseball player um, and try to find like three entry max single entry stuff. I feel that's where I excel. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited. This baseball season has me pumped. Um, I don't know if it's just because the last month of basketball has just been so rough with tanking and injuries and everything that I think a lot of people are refreshed for baseball. And I mean, we'll stay refreshed. I love baseball season, but most people get burned out pretty quick. Um, but <laughs> that's where I think like the betting and like props and stuff like that will revitalize baseball people as well, because, you know, DFS is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I think betting baseball is one of the best sports to bet on because you can bet on so much during the game as well as before the game. So uh, great betting sport, but yeah, I'm excited. Six gamer here. We're going to skip the Brewers Cubs game because they've almost every site kind of left it off of the main slate. And then, you know, with the game getting rained out, you know, it became only a, like a showdown slate. So we're just going to kind of skip over that one. We're going to focus on these games that start at four o'clock. Uh, we have six games right now. There is some potential weather in that Washington game. So it could potentially be like a five gamer. But as long as it's over four games, I'm happy. Um, you know, we get to kick the kick the day off with some baseball at two o'clock in Wrigley. But we're going to get started here. With the Mets going into Washington, eight and a half total in this game. The Mets a 130 favorite. We got McGill against Corbin. If you had never listened to the morning grind podcast, we usually break down pitchers and then hitters um, each game. And then we'll kind of go through at the end uh, morning grind game, which I did not prepare. I'm off this week again, so not fully prepared. But I have the morning grind game from last year in front of me so we'll just use that for today and open to suggestions you want to see something on the morning grind hit me up but let's start here with taylor mcgill mets going into washington like i said will um mcgill a righty going to face a pretty right-handed heavy lineup you know washington did add nelson cruz this offseason so that's going to give a big right-handed bat in between like soto and bell they got the switchies there at, towards the top of the order. Their strikeout rate, you know, last season was around 19%. McGill, from what we saw, very good against righties, struggled a lot against lefties. Um, thoughts here on Taylor McGill? Tyler McGill? Yeah, well, I think on DraftKings, when you are looking at the price on him at 7600 um, I don't think it's a bad price. He's got some strikeout stuff. Um, and that's really, you know, what we're looking at here. You know, when we're trying to, to play someone like him, you know, how many strikeups do we think, you know, he actually has in this lineup? And so if we based on last season, overall, he had a 26% K rate, 28% to righties, 23% to lefties. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's formidable. The thing is, do we think he's going to change up his pitch, pitch mix a little bit? And I think we see that, at least I hope, with younger pitchers, right, they're going to be mostly mostly fastball probably their first season, and then they start to kind of venture off into, you know, mixing it up a little bit more. So me personally, I'm expecting that fastball number, his fastball numbers to come down somewhere. He was 58 against lefties, 53 against righties. Maybe I'm thinking he gets it down around, you know, 47-ish, 
and, and picks up the slider a little bit more. I, I got to think he's probably been working on a little bit more slider, a little bit more change up. Uh, with that being said, fastball is still going to be his predominant pitch. And if you look at it right now, and this is something I looked at, man, Juan Soto just, I mean, he should have a field day here. I mean, in terms of his contact numbers, 83% contact rate, 97 mile per hour average velocity, 60% hard hit rate, 478 ISO, uh, you know, 597, I mean, 516 Woba. Juan Soto just looks like a heck of a home run play today. Uh, one of my uh, one of my top plays. Sorry, I know I mixed in the the batters with the pitchers. Give me a second to get in my groove. But I um I, I said all that to say even out, out, just outside of Juan Soto, I think McGill has enough where he can pitch around the rest of this lineup. Yeah, my my biggest concern with him, and, and we're going to talk about this a lot because it is the first couple weeks of baseball season, and pitchers don't typically go deep. He is a guy in 18 starts last year, averaged less than five innings per start. Um, you know, and it was like 4.9, but it's still less than five. So I worry here just overall how deep he goes, how many pitches they're willing to let him go in this game. He was already someone last year. I don't think he threw over 100 pitches last year in any start. So I would project him as one of the bottom five on this slate as far as like going deep into a game and it's gonna it looks like it's he's gonna get a pretty decent draw towards the bottom of this order it looks like anyway if he can get around the top order i don't think he goes through the lineup more than twice maybe two and a half i think that's my biggest concern i wouldn't have him as like a core pitcher on this slate and he's kind of right in that middle price range so I think he's okay as a tournament play. And then, you know, obviously on the other side of this game, we got Patrick Corbin and Patrick Corbin, we we've seen for years and years and years, and we kind of know what we're getting here from Patrick Corbin. You know, he's a guy that is going to strike out people and give up runs in the process. Um, And that's, that's just his MO. You know, he struggles a lot with right-handed hitters, 267 ISO 391 Woba against righties last year. 269-104 against lefties, 24% K rate against lefties, 17% K rate against righties. I think he's going to see eight right-handed hitters in this lineup. I could oh, see yeah. a potential for McNeil to get the start, and maybe he sees seven. But, you know, Conforto's gone, and, and you know, that's someone that is, you know, a lefty that was in that lineup that we saw. You know, we're going to see – Mark Hanna, Kana now in this lineup. So it's this is a tough spot for Corbin. He is someone that typically will get a longer leash when he's pitching pretty good. So, like in that aspect of things, maybe his tournament upside's a little there. But I just personally will am looking at this game going, all right, it's in Washington, it's not in New York. This team has a lot of guys that hit hard, hit the ball hard against lefties. I'm struggling to get to like Corbin here, like the walks and the hard hits, like he might not go deep in this one. If he's struggling. Look, here's what I will say. I've been eyeing this game and, you know, we might have some weather concerns, but this was going to be one of my favorite spots. I, I must say Stevie that the Mets lineup on paper, while it may not have a whole lot of star power, right? Like how household names, I think getting Starling Marte and, 
uh, Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar. Escobar. Huge I mean, that's pickup. Huge wow. under the radar pickup. Yeah, that's. I mean, then you add Mark Conant to the mix. This is a good hitting team. I mean, Corbin Corbin should have a tough day here. I. It, it, it should be ugly, Stevie. I mean, I looked at the numbers on him as well. Um, like you said, with that 17% K rate to righties, the hard hit rate is up. I just – I don't see how he makes it out of out of, out of two or three innings here. It, it's he's, – he's not somebody we can target. Like, not for pitching, I don't think. Like, the strike – he may get some strikeouts – I'm gonna go out on a hot t- on a limb, Stevie, here with a hot take. I think he may give up more runs than strikeouts in this game if it plays. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take, in my opinion. I think that Corbin, there's some potential because, like, Nimmo might not be in the lineup. I know, like, he got a quarter zone shot Monday or Tuesday, so he might not even be in the lineup, and like, we might get like a a Dom Smith in there batting like eighth or or ninth. Um, so. The lineup might play a little bit better here than what it's showing on paper, but I mean, he's still gonna like he Marte should bat lead off. Like this should be a really tough lineup for Corbin. That kind of, I mean, that segs segues into the Mets hitters here. Um, you, you know, looking at this lineup, there's a ton of ceiling here. Escobar, like we talked about, Pete Alonso against lefties, just an absolute masher. 50% fly ball rate with a 44% hard hit rate last season. So I'm looking at this Met stack. I don't know if it's a full five man and I play mostly on, on drafting. So it'd be more of a five man, but this might be like a, a three to four man stack, both on Fandle and DraftKings, more than like a full stack. And on opening day, I typically will do like four max. So I'm definitely looking and interested in this Mets lineup. Yeah, same here. Um, I'm I'm very interested, you know, and Corbin, at least in the past, 36% sinker, 36% slider, 20% fastball. And so while I'm while I'm not saying the guys are going to sit in the fastball, I like to target the guys that are kind of going to be all around. And lo and behold, Stevie. One of the best plays on this team is going to be Eduardo Escobar in this spot. It's it's amazing. Uh, I mean, eighty nine percent contact rate, fifty seven percent hard hit rate, four thirty seven woba against the sinker, uh, and you know th- then you go up to the fastball. I mean, he's pretty much in the same range like this. He he looks like a tasty play, you know. And then you got Marte, who's kind of, in my opinion, got an on base machine. Uh, you got Pete Alonso, who's probably going to hit cleanup. You got to have Lindor there. And I know we kind of got the projected lineup. I think we're pretty close on how this is going to be, Stevie, in my opinion. I think we're really close. The other thing, too, about Escobar, Stevie, 13% K rate to lefties over the past two seasons. This is 20, uh, 2020 through 2021. Eduardo Escobar is one of my favorite plays on this slate and in this game. Uh, he's 4,100 on DK. Sign me up. Yeah, I like Escobar a lot. Um, staple play for me as well, 4,100. I like Marte, Alonzo. Um, don't forget about Lindor. Dealt with a lot of stuff last year. I think we're going to see a much healthier Lindor coming into the season. This this lineup's sneaky good. Um, yeah. 
the other one that I just I got it. It wouldn't be the morning grind if I didn't mention James McCann. Just saying that. Um, <laughs> cheap catcher against the lefty. Just saying. And then, I mean, on the Washington side, you know, where I want to target McGill is with power lefties. And Juan Soto is one of the best power lefties in the game. Him and Bell. Uh, I mean, an interesting little two-man stack. You could, if you don't think McGill's going to go deep into the game, you could go Nelson Cruz there with the boomstick and make it like a three-man. Or even go Ruiz. Um, I think he's cheap, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, he's 36, so I wish he was a little bit cheaper. Um, I'm team punt catcher, but he's a switch hitting catcher, so he's going to be very useful in the catcher spot if they're going to hit him fifth this year. Um, shouldn't get pinch hit for a lot in that spot. So um, Ruiz, just another guy that I think you could throw out there, but love this spot for Juan Soto. Um, hoping the weather holds off because I think Juan Soto is a top play on the entire slate. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. The same way I feel about Escobar is the same way I feel about Juan Soto here. I've already talked about it. You know, got ahead of myself, but thank you guys for giving me a little grace on the first pod. But absolutely, my top two plays in this game, Eduardo Escobar, Juan Soto. Not trying to leave out Pete Alonso, but I think he's an obvious play. And, you know, I think, in my opinion, we're just trying to give you someone that maybe isn't as popular. All right, we got the Cleveland Cleveland Guardians. I'm going to mess that up at least 10 times this season. Kansas City Royals facing off in Kansas City this game, eight total. And the Guardians, a 115 to 130 favorite on what most books here. Um, they kind of opened at like 139 and got bet down a little bit. Um, we got Shane Bieber going up against Zach Granke. Um, I mean, Bieber draws a great matchup here going against Kansas City. This lineup a, a little bit different. You know, with Wit being in there, um, talented prospect. We'll see how it kind of pans out. Mondesi healthy, which adds some speed, but a lot of strikeouts towards the bottom of the order. I think Shane Bieber sets up as the top raw points pitcher on the slate, and I think he's going to end up being the highest owned pitcher on the slate. Um, but you know, for a lot of good reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that shot me—not trying to get ahead of us—but He's not even the most expensive pitcher on the slate, Stevie, which was, which really, I think, it, it puts him squarely in play. Um, you know, and I know we were kind of talking about pitch counts earlier. No Bieber was hurt a lot of last season. I'm, I'm think. Do you think Bieber? I think Bieber actually gets over 90 pitches here. What, what do you think? I, I, well, here's what I think. I think they they give him, they let him go over 90 if he's not around like maybe 88 going through five. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if he's around 80, 78, somewhere around there after five, I think they bring him back out for the sixth inning. If he's around 88-ish, 85, maybe they hold him out. Like that's kind of my, my thought process. Either way, I still like Beaver. I did want to get your read on that. Though. That's what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts when it comes to Beaver's pitch count? I mean, he has openly admitted that his arm is 100%. Um, the shoulder strain last year. So I'm just kind of going off of that. And I mean, this is a dude that 33% K rate last year, even if we extend it for the last three seasons, you know, he's at 32.9%. This is a big time strikeout pitcher. I think projected pitch count for him is probably close to like 85 to 92. Um, I think on the higher end, 92 
if he's pitching really well. I think a, a guy like Bieber, you know, obviously he's one of your stud pitchers. If he can go out and he can be at like 90 pitches after five and they could have a lead here, probably doesn't come back out for the six. Um, the other thing, like – the 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 other thing that's kind of sneaky here for for Bieber that I don't know if a lot of people will even bring up, but you know, hey, that's what we're we're here for, and this is the stuff that I I love. But Austin Hedges is going to be catching for Cleveland this year, and this is dude is a big time plus catcher. Um, this is a dude you want behind the plate. Very good at framing. Very good just calling games. So. I think that's a huge bump uh, for the Cleveland pitchers throughout the season. We'll see. Um, Hedge is not a great hitter, but like this dude's always going to have a spot as long as he's healthy because of just how good of a catcher he is. Yeah. And the other thing, too, Stevie, mentioning, mentioning him in terms of catching, Bieber was already, right, like a high-K pitcher anyway. Yeah. Like now if he's got somebody that can – can help him pitch around a little bit, just a little bit, right? Just enough to make guys swing two extra swings, you know, per inning or something like that. I think that's, that's only going to help him. I'm, I'm with you, man. Love that call. Love that call. You know, we go to the other side. We got Zach Granke, you know, one of the, one of the pitchers of our time that just, you know, was very, very good when he was in his prime. Well, unfortunately for Mr. Granke, he's not in his prime. His average velocity is under 90 kind of turned into a reverse splits pitcher last year. He uses changeup a lot last year against lefties to generate a lot of ground balls and a lot of soft contact, um, but really struggled with righties. Um, 5,700, he's super cheap in this spot. I just – I don't know, man. I, I don't think that – I don't think this is going to be the spot I look at. He's not a huge strike the innings type of guy. He is cheap, but, I mean, the matchup's not the most fantastic matchup either. Yep. I'm not playing that Ricky. Listen, well, throughout the year, we will target this Cleveland lineup because like Reyes, Bradley, Hedges, Jimenez, like Zimmer, if they play these guys on a on a nightly basis, there's a lot of strikeouts in this lineup. Um, a lot of power. That's where Granky's gonna struggle, is if these guys are making contact, it's gonna be hard contact. But there's a lot of strikeouts in this lineup. I just don't think this is the spot to kind of kick us off, but we'll have to see. Uh, let's talk bats here for Cleveland and, you know, just kind of going into the hard contact. You know, I think this is where you could potentially get like a sneaky three-man type of stack with Reyes and Bradley and, and Ramirez. Like that's a lot of power right there, like a three, four, five punch. And Reyes is 4,500. He's pretty cheap. Bradley is 3,900. Hate the fact that we got to use a first base spot, but I mean, cheap first baseman with power and good spots is not a bad thing. And Ramirez, he's expensive, but yeah, he's worth it probably. Yeah, and that's the thing. So I remember last season, Stephen, this, this is about Granky, but it's also about the hitters. When Granky was almost like reverse splits, where, and he's still a little bit, a little bit, where lefties, he would kind of just destroy lefties and righties. He just didn't have it, but it's, it's starting to normalize a little bit. Why am I bringing this up? You talked about this. You talked about the righty power uh, of Reyes in a 240 ISO. And then 
Ramirez is, is, is going to be back on the left side of the plate. I, I just I just don't care in this spot. Like I don't believe I don't believe enough in Granky to not target him, especially when last season. I mean, he kind of get blown up and they just pull him out. I, I think I like Cleveland here, like you said, the little two or three man, Jose, Fran Mill, maybe Bobby Bradley, uh, kind of the same things you mentioned. Um, and then also, you know, in terms of another really cheap play here that I don't think is is going to get a lot of love. I actually don't hate Ahmed Rosario, right? Like if we're, if we're going to go all the way, like a guy's got a, a little bit of speed, a little bit of pop. Um, I just feel like there's enough run protection behind him now. Um, I mean, he can score two or three runs in this game. So I think if I'm running Ramirez and Franny, if I'm running Ramirez and, and Reyes, I think I'm going to run Rosario because he should be on base to, 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 for them to bring him home. It would be interesting to see where they hit Quan too. Quan's an elite like contact hitter, not a big strikeout guy. Um, so if Quan's in there, it'd be really interesting to see if he leads off because he's like twenty two hundred. Um, so he could potentially he could potentially add some like value to this stack and to make that Ramirez um, you know play kind of work out. So Quan not typically a guy you'd like to use in tournaments because his ceiling is not as high as some other guys but he is someone that if he does hit at the top of the order and you're playing Ramirez Reyes, like you're hoping that they, they drive him in and, you know, you know, maybe he can get a double or, you know, and, and a couple runs scored type of stuff. So he's 2,200. He's not going to kill you. Yeah. Um, the Royals side of this game, you know, you can always make an argument for Salvador Perez. He's one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. He's 5,100. I'm not going there. I hate paying up a catcher. You'll hear that throughout the year. Um, I'm very interested to kind of see uh, Bobby Witt Jr., you know, one of the top overall prospects in baseball. Sounds like he's going to be the everyday third baseman this year. He's 2,300. If he wasn't facing Bieber, maybe I could, you know, pull the trigger there. But, I mean, this lineup is just – it's going to be a really good spot for Bieber. Yeah, I, I'm – I'm about an all-in status on Bieber on this late. So uh, I'm with you, man. L- love this spot. I-, I think he does really well. And-, and the price is just so incredible. Bieber may be 10K the next game, Stevie. Like, that. that's how bad I think the price is. So I- I'm in. Well, pricing is kind of soft in general on opening day every year. But I will say this, too, really quick before we move on. It's baseball and anything can happen. Shane Bieber is going to be the highest-owned pitcher on the slate. If you're playing 150 teams, it's not the worst idea to run a couple Royal stacks out there um, because nobody's going to be doing it. All right, we got Pittsburgh going into St. St. Louis to face the Cardinals. Eight total in this one. Cardinals a huge favorite. They're sitting at 210 to 225 in most books here. Uh, Big favorite. We got Brubaker going up against Adam Wainwright. You know, we'll start here with JT Brubaker. Any interest in him? Uh, no. I see. I actually think he's an interesting tournament play. Um, he is someone that I think can kind of end up in that like 85 pitch range. And it's the same thing we've been talking about for years uh, on St. Louis. They're very, very right-handed heavy. They're very fly ball friendly as well. 
And the one thing about Brubaker is he generates very few fly balls, um, especially against righties. And he had a 25% K rate against righties last year. So I don't think he's the worst tournament play here. It's just the problem with playing pitchers against the Cardinals, even though they're very right-handed heavy, they don't strike out a ton. I'm also very interested to see if Albert Pulhos is going to be like in the lineup every day for this team because he's someone that can kind of, you know, end an inning for you when you need to get out of a jam um, <laughs> with those double plays. I, I mean, you laugh, but it's true. The dude is he's one of one of the best hitters of all time. But if he hits the ball on, on the ground, he's out. Oh, my um, gosh. So. Albert Pujols ending inner. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. I know it's true. Is he, doesn't he, like, lead all time, like, grounded into double plays or something? He's close, oh, if not. So it, This is incredible. All the records um, he's going to get to, uh, that one's <laughs> – but I, I think Brubaker – at seven five with Adam Wainwright likely going to get pretty good ownership in the same spot. Um, I, I think JT Brubaker is is definitely playable here. Um, but let's go let's go to the other side of this game. Will we got Adam Wainwright? The dude has a noodle arm. He just he goes out and he throws a hundred pitches every night. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being like the guy that throws the most. Um, but. We have a, a, a somewhat different type looking Pittsburgh lineup this year. And the one thing that is a little concerning for Wainwright is like there's potential for him to face like five to seven lefties in this lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, not saying they're on. the greatest lefties, but <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, he's at 18%. He, he's still limiting the damage. That's that's what I think the interesting part is. Um, the ground ball rate is still up there. And so a lot of these guys are probably going to be putting the ball on the ground. I think in terms of the spot, right? Like, I think Wainwright is a guy that you're hope. So you play on FanDuel, right? And you're saying, okay, he goes out and he eats through innings. He gets four strikeouts, right? As an example, he's 8K. He gets four strikeouts. And uh, they don't score any runs on him. He makes it six innings, and they win the game as well. And I think that's kind of how you play the Wainwright angle. I, I def, I'm definitely not expecting Wainwright to go out and get eight strikeouts. I don't think anybody is. And so as a result, he is probably going to have higher ownership than he should on this slate. I don't think he's a bad play, but I don't think he's the best play. Um, he's 7,500. Shane Beaver's 83. I mean, we haven't talked about some of these other guys, but Tyler Malley, 77. Like, I I don't think I'm going to be playing. I think I'm going to fade Wayne right on this slate, Steve, and I think it's the right play. I don't know if I fade him in three lineups. If I'm playing a single entry, I could definitely see playing him um, too. I just think, like, we're going to talk about Otani, and I think Otani is going to be, like, your, your chalky SP2 on this slate. And, you know, we haven't talked about Darvish yet. He's in a pretty good spot. Um, that Arizona lineup kind of mediocre. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how ownership kind of plays out. But I, I think Wainwright is not fully fadeable for me. Like, you know, in, in one to three, maybe two, even two or three, just because I think opening day, I want positive 
you know, if I can get 15 for my pitcher on opening day, I'm usually doing pretty good. And I think he could get 15 against this lineup. Um, you know, looking at the, the lineup here, the Pittsburgh lineup, you know, we're going to likely see Park bat leadoff. He's a minimum salary second baseman. Um, so that's kind of interesting. He's not like a huge power guy, um, but it's more of, you know, you'd probably just be looking at the price. But I think the guy that is going to have a really good year, and I mean, I'm on board, and I know a lot of people have already talked about him this year, but Brian Reynolds is someone that could have a really strong year. So he's likely going to be hitting in that two spot. I really like him. He's probably my favorite bat from the Pittsburgh side if I use him as like a one-off, but um, he, he's definitely standing out to me the most. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be stacking Pittsburgh. I will say, I think if you want a one-off Daniel Vogelbach, go ahead, right? Like he could absolutely send one to the moon. Um, but yeah, all in all, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to be stacking Pittsburgh, just not against Wainwright. Like I do think we'll have our, our opportunities. This is just game one. We're just getting started here. Um, but I do, I do like this lineup a lot better. I know it's a lot of lefties today, but I, I do like this spot like Yoshi and Vogelbach and Cabrian Hayes. Like we're going to have some spots where I think we can take these guys. We're going to have spots where we can play Pittsburgh for sure this season. Left-handed friendly ballparks, Vogelbach, Yoshi, Reynolds. Um, I don't think this is necessarily the spot. And that, and that's kind of what I was talking about as far as just like Wainwright being in play because this lineup isn't like the best lineup. And then, I mean, on the Cardinals side of things, you know, O'Neal, Arenado, they're there. Uh, I think Goldschmidt, has a, a good bounce back here, but I think the guy that stands out to me the most here is Tyler O'Neill. Um, should bat in that three spot. My only concern with St. Louis is that they're expensive. So like you're using them as like a primary stack today. If you're playing them just because they're so priced up here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not as, as in the St. Louis either. Even I don't, I don't want to play brew Baker. It's for the same things you talked about. Carlson, 4,800. Goldie, 53. O'Neal, 56. Um, uh, Arenado, 59. Like this, this lineup is way too expensive uh, with the guys that we probably actually need. And you got Tommy Edmund at 5,800, Steve. Like that, yeah, that's so insane. Mm -hmm. uh, so th this is pretty much just a one off spot for me. Uh, I'd just be probably home run hunting. And just trying to find the right bat um, that that matches matches the pitching profile. Um, who that bat is? Hey, it, it probably is Dylan Carlson or O'Neill. Uh, but all in all, and, and Nolan Arenado isn't going to strike out a lot. But I just they're too expensive, so I don't really want to play them a lot. I've I've got another favorite team here outside of the Mets and Juan Soto that I really like on this slate coming up. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I would say Carlson, as far as looking at like the pitch profile, makes a ton of sense in this spot. Um, Brubaker is a guy that likes to use his, you know, sinking fastball and slider a lot. And that pitch profile actually sets up really well for Dylan Carlson. So if you want to play the pitch profile game here, 
you know, Carlson needs to be on your radar. Uh, he's expensive, but he profiles as one of the best, you know, in this spot. So just want to throw that out there. We move on. We got Cincinnati going into Atlanta to take on your Atlanta Braves. Um, let's just throw it out there. You're a huge Braves fan. I'm a huge Red Sox fan. There's always going to be bias there um, on the podcast. So there you go. Um, <laughs> just had to get it out there. We got an eight and a half total in this one. And the Braves are a 200 favorites. Tyler Molly against Max Fried. Let's start here with Tyler Molly. I'll say this, Will. Going into this season, this isn't your uh, – this this lineup, the Braves lineup is good, but it's not as scary as it is typically. You know, no Freddie Freeman is huge. Um, I, I'm sad to see him leave Atlanta. But I also – You know I'm going to talk about this. I I just you got it. You got to pay the man. And, and like, I really think Freddie wanted to stay in Atlanta for what it's worth. But uh, I mean, who knows? And then Noah Cunha in this lineup as well to start the season. So not your not your normal Atlanta lineup. So Tyler Molly actually might look better than he's getting credit here in Vegas, like a big dog in this game, like. I actually think he is someone that is at 7,700 is very playable. Yeah, I, I like him as well. And the main thing, Stevie, is the strikeouts, right? Like, he's going to have some. Like, he's not going to he's, – he's a guy that I think we know for sure if the innings line up, he's going to get five to six strikeouts, right? And then if he happens to be cruising where the pitch count doesn't get run up, because that was kind of his problem last year. He'd get the strikeouts, but the pitch count would run up so much through four or five innings, he just couldn't hit the upside consistently. Uh, and I think, you know, when you're looking at the guys from last season where even though he's a lefty, Olsen 21%, Riley, and Ozuna, like everybody's pretty much over 20%. In terms of the combined outside of, you know, uh, Rosario, we're at about a 23.5% K rate overall uh, with the projected lineup currently. And that's based on historical numbers for the past two seasons. All in all, Miley's at 28% lefties, 26% righties. I like the spot here for him. Um, he's another guy that's going to be mostly fastball, and that's one thing that uh, scares me maybe a little bit, right? Um, but I'm, I'm not as worried because he can get the Ks. If if he cannot walk people, which is the 8.8% uh, walk rate you know, over the past couple of seasons, if he can keep the walks down, limit limit the big, the big, uh, the big hits, He's another guy that I really like on this slate for 7,700. Um, I, I think he's a good play. I, I don't think he should be 7,700 and Max Freed should be 9K for what it's worth, if that makes any sense. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think the gap is that big. Um, you know, I think Bieber probably should have been 9,500 and, and Freed 8,500, Molly maybe 82 or something like that. So he's, he, I think he's a really good value on this slate um, for all the reasons we've talked about. Yeah. I think if you're wanting to pivot off of Otani or if you're wanting to pivot off of Wainwright, I think Molly and Brubaker are good pivots. Um, I, I think they're good pivots. And then, you know, the other side of this game, you got Max Fried. 
listen, this ki- this kid's good. He really he's a really good real life pitcher. Um, he he'll go out, he'll limit damage, he'll get through innings, and he'll consistently put up good games for you. The Cincinnati lineup is not that scary. Um, I could see Max Freed cruising in this game, but there's always a but, right? Well, there's always a but. I think the the but here for Max Freed, I would put him in the bottom five of pitch count. I think when you're Atlanta and you have a guy like Max Freed, you're going to be kids' gloves at the beginning of the season. Um, so, and I – yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. 9K is a lot to pay for a pitcher. And, you know, we're going to talk about the same thing when we get to you, Darvish. It's really tough to pay top-end pricing for these guys when you got Bieber at 8300 Maybe that's a way to get different on the slate is pay up, but I just don't know if the ceiling is necessarily there. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I And I don't. I don't dislike Max, of course. I mean, he's going to have his opportunities. Um, and when, when you look at, you know, the the lineup of Cincinnati, I mean, he, there's some strikeouts there. They, they added some pieces, right? Lost some pieces as well. But at, for 9K, is it worth it on this slate? Even if you look at our standard projections, I mean, he's not much higher than a lot of these 7K guys and 8K guys that we like. Um, he's not even, you know, the projections don't even have him higher than Bieber. Um, so for 9K, I think you, I think you mix him in if you want to play him, but he's not a primary play for me by any, by any stretch. He's, he's like fourth or fifth on my list. I can tell you this, like with certainty, I am not stacking against Max Free. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, the crazy part, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's yep. more of just a price thing at the end of the day. Um, it's going to be tough for him. I think it's going to be tough for him to win you a tournament unless he has like a really strong stellar game. But this is a dude even last year, you know, 100 pitches was a rare thing for him. So early on in the season, I think like 85 is what we see from Max Fried, And I think he could put up 20 at, at that price. Um but the other thing about like the Cincinnati bats is like they got a lot of guys that walk, very high walk rates, um, especially against lefties. So I mean that's always concerning too if they're going to be working the count a lot on unfreed. That's not what you want to see on opening day. Um, as far as the Cincinnati bats go, anything standing out to you here for Cincinnati? Yeah, no, nothing in particular, which is which is crazy. Um... You know, my, my guy, Jonathan Indian, man, from a props perspective, I mean, he just one and a half hits plus walks already hopping on that. Um, I, I think even if uh, Freed is there, I just think India, man, he's just such a solid hitter. Um, he's not trying to hit home runs. He's just going to get on base. So I did, I did want to mention that from a props perspective, along with uh, um, I think I mentioned Marte. But Marte is another one on my list for one and a half hits plus walks. Marte from the Mets. All right, back to our regularly scheduled programs. Um, yeah, that, that's that's really about it. I don't I don't have too many other guys that I that I wanted to to kind of hammer in on, especially since he's about forty percent fastball. And I look at the contact numbers. Indy's at eighty six percent, and you do have Kyle Foreman at ninety one percent, two seventeen ISO. 
Uh, he 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 might be Stevie. Kyle Farmer might be one of, someone that uh, we could look at, but um, all in all, I'm I'm not really interested in the Reds. Yeah, Farmer's interesting because shortstop is pretty weak on this slate with Tatis not playing, um, Correa in Minnesota now, and that game got postponed. So, I mean, you you probably see a lot of people go Lindor. Um, or like young. So I think just in general, shortstop's not a position to kind of pay down at on this slate. So I don't think, I don't think farmer's the worst play um, here going to the Atlanta side. Listen, you know, as much as I'm, I'm going to miss Freddie um, free money, Freddie in, in Atlanta, this is a huge ballpark upgrade for Matt Olson. Um you know, they they built this ballpark for left-handed power, and Matt Olson's numbers are going to see a huge jump this year. He's someone that I don't play a lot of season-long baseball, but I think I got him in two of three leagues that I play in because – a bad pickup. This dude hit 39 home runs this year. I think this – I really think Matt Olson could push 50 home runs this year, and I don't think that's a crazy, crazy projection. I, I think that's the type of numbers that – we could see for Matt Olson jumping to the NL and getting to play in this ballpark and a lot yeah, of favorable sure. lefty ballparks. Absolutely. Um, I like Olsen. And let, let me just talk about this briefly, Stevie. Um, got to get it out. Get, Will it's opening day. You got to uh, get it out. No Freddie Freeman. Yeah. I, I uh, give you the stage. <laughs> thank you. I, I was very disappointed uh, with us signing Matt Olson and not signing Freddie. Um, and you know, I've I've got some friends of mine that are like, hey, Olsen's younger, he's gonna be better long term. Maybe, maybe not. You know, Matt Olson's still gonna strike out a lot during points in the season. I, I just think a guy that has you know poured his heart and soul into the organization, pay the man. Like we still paid Olsen a good chunk of change. It's not like we got him for one of the uh for the Ozzy Albies deal or the Acuna deal. It's that's what I'm saying. It's like we still had to pay somebody. Why not just pay the guy that's been there, earned, at least let him run it back for, after the World Series, and maybe give him a – I don't know. I, I just – I don't know what the front office was thinking. But And this is, has nothing to do with Matt Olson. It's got everything to do with Freddie. I was very disappointed uh, that we didn't sign him, and let's try to run this thing back. And I've said this. I, I still feel like we're, like, way ahead of schedule. Like, I wasn't expecting us – to win a World Series, we still don't have our pitching shored up. Like we we we've got um, God now now I'm going barbershop mode. I'm going off on a tangent. We've got Charlie Morton, but that's it. Like we we still don't have a Scherzer type pitcher. So I still think we're ahead of schedule. Just pay Freddie and let's attract some some better pitching. All right, I'm done. Um, all in all, this should be a good spot for the Braves. Um, Overall, right? I do think we're priced up some. Like Austin Riley's fifty four hundred. He earned it for the season he had. I think if I was going to play two guys, it would be Rosario and Olson, one and two, um, and, and let them try to go to work at the top of this order. And maybe, maybe Matt Olson. Do you think Olson backs cleanup? You think we? He could. I'm not saying he will. He could. Um, but yeah, I, I like Rosario and Olson here for sure. I have a hard time not seeing Ozuna in the cleanup spot. Um, we yeah, I think Ozuna will be in the cleanup spot, but I think Olsen hits second. 
maybe third, but I think Olsen hits second. So I think they'll bat Riley Ozuna three, four, and like a Duvall or Albies five, six. And then that kind of gets weak there with Swanson. Um, who do they pick up? They pick up Dickerson, right? That's their. Yeah, they did. So, I mean, uh, Alex Dickerson hitting eighth, Swanson hitting seventh type lineup. Um, but yeah, I think, I think like Duvall with the new like DH rule um, could be like an everyday type player. And he's someone that's kind of sneaky. He's a big time fly ball guy. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know if this is necessarily the spot. Tyler Molly is a guy that does give up a lot of hard contact. So, you know, you want guys to hit the ball hard. So like Duvall kind of fits that build. Um, Olsen fits that build. But on paper, this isn't the best matchup, and that's kind of why we were talking about Tyler Molly a little bit as well. So expectations need to be a little bit lower here for the Braves. We got Houston at Los Angeles facing the Angels. Eight and a half total in this game. And most books have the Angels at minus 130. Valdez against Otani. Let's talk Valdez first. Um, 7,900 going up against Los Angeles. You know, we should see Mike Trout in the lineup, um, which is always scary for a pitcher. But Valdez is a guy that last year had some like semi reverse splits, but he is a massive, massive ground ball pitcher. Um, he is someone that throws like a fastball, sinking fastball. And his hit distance on average last year was 96 feet. Um, that's really, really good. So um, I don't know if this is necessarily the spot, but once you get past Rendon, this lineup is weak. It is really weak, uh, the bottom of this order. So another guy that like is kind of on my radar because – my biggest con- well, I was going to say my biggest concern with Valdez is just pitch count. Um, you know, him and Otani in this game, I think kids gloves um, for these guys in this game. So, I mean, that's, it's probably my biggest concern with Valdez, but I don't think this is the worst spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you look over the past season numbers, which is what I'm going to use probably for the first. And, you know, Steve, I do think you and I, we try to make adjustments a little bit quicker than the field on some of this info. I feel like we do. Like, I don't feel like we run into July, like maybe in a month or so we'll start making adjustments and making up, you know, um, but until then I'm going to stick with it. And this is a high strikeout team overall, um, you know, outside of Rendon, even Trout, which try, I'm expecting his K numbers to come down. Um, but, you know, all in all, this, this is going to be a high strikeout team. I like Valdez here. Um, the main concern, like you talked about, is just just the pitch count. Um, when you you know, when I kind of look over everything here, and I start, I'm starting to get into my strikeout props now, just to kind of look, and I don't see it currently. That's okay. I'll come back to it, but um, I want to see where he comes in. Uh, my assumption is he comes in at four and a half, just right at the top of my head, because of maybe the pitch count scenario. I might still be interested, Stevie. Uh, I just want to see. Uh, a few more things here, but he's going to have his opportunity. Um, if he can cruise, if he if he gets around Otani, Trout, and Rendon, and like you talked about, it's open season. So I, 
I like him here at 7,900. Um, I just got to get past the pitch count scenario. Yeah, I think he's an interesting tournament play. I do worry about the pitch count more than anything else. Um, but the lineup, you know, assuming Trout plays, like he let he didn't play Tuesday's minor league game or spring training game because he was not feeling well. So I'm assuming he plays, though. It's Mike Trout. It's opening day. He's healthy. All right. The other side of this game, we've got Otani and the, there's two things that are interesting about Otani, and we'll talk about one of them when we get to the hitting aspect of things. But, um, you know, looking at Otani, I think this is where we really got to be concerned about pitch count. I think he might be the bottom when it comes to pitch count. And the the thing about him is they really extended him at the end of last year. Like we were getting big time pitch counts for him at the end of last year. But I think opening day, we're looking closer to like 80 to maybe a max of like 90 pitch count pitch count here for Otani because they want to keep this dude healthy. The Houston lineup doesn't strike out. And like, I think that's obviously super concerning. You know, we look at last year's numbers. There's only like two or three guys over 20% K rates. Like if Otani is going to be the second or third highest zone pitcher on the slate, he might be a really good underweight play. I don't know if you fully fade him depending on how many lineups you make, but if I'm running one lineup, I don't think I'm playing Otani. I was temporarily muted and I caught myself. See, you didn't I wasn't. Even, I see. I saw you catch yourself, so I wasn't gonna say it. I was being nice. Opening day. Yeah. Tomorrow yeah. I I catch you. No, I'm actually not working. So not me. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, Otani is the price is what I think is going to have us gravitating towards him at seven K. I'm with you. Like he he's like number three on my list. Um. Of course, number one is Bieber. I think I think we've kind of drawn that out, um, and I think for me, number two is is Male, and Otani's just three because of the price. Um, we'll get to Darvish in a second, who I do like some, um, but at seven K, I think you got to roll the dice. I think it's just a price play. Um, he can absolutely get some strikeouts out of this lineup for sure. Um, how many? You know, the books have him at five and a half, I think. And I think that's mainly because of pitch count. If he was going 90 pitches, I think he'd be at six and a half. Uh, but he's at five and a half. Do I think he can get five and a half strikeouts? I do, but it's going to have to be clean. Like, he's going to need one anywhere he gets, like, three. And that might not be the case. Um, I still like Otani. I do feel like he's going to give up a run or two. The question is, does he get six strikeouts to mitigate the runs? Yeah, I I like the under on five and a half Ks. Um, I don't feel great about it, but I like the under. So, all right, let's talk bats on the Houston side. Um, I think they're a really interesting stack. I love the fact that, like, Otani is going to be very popular here. And the Houston bats... Early, early, early 
projected ownership, like it's going to change a lot throughout the for, throughout the tomorrow and stuff. But projected ownership has nobody on this team over five percent. Um, I will definitely have like I might play Otani on a team, and I might have a Houston stack on a different team because I could see it going either way. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and Houston's expensive, right? Like you've got Altuve and Tucker and. Bregman and Albert, like they're an expensive team. And, you know, my boy, Michael Brantley, 4,400, Stevie, coming out of the gates over 4K. Thank you, DraftKings. Last season, he came out like around 3,500. So it was crazy. Uh, but 4,400 is reasonable. Um, you know, I don't make any stacks of Houston without Michael Brantley. Um, I, I do think you can, this is a sneaky team to stack. I think teams that just score runs, right? Like Houston's a team where, they may hit one home run, Stevie, but they'll still score nine runs and pile up the points, right? You know, steal bases and hit doubles and singles and bat around. Like, so that, that's why that's why you stack Houston. Um, and I, I, I do like this spot for them, especially if Otani is going to be slightly limited, right? Then we may get a new pitcher in the fifth inning. And if that's the case, they're basically playing over half the game without Otani. So I, I like the Houston stack for that reason. Yeah, I really like the Houston stack. I, I just I love the potential ownership play here. Like I'm trying to win a tournament. How do I win a tournament? Well, I take a, a low owned team against a chalky pitcher and hope it works out. Um, it's baseball, and Otani is definitely someone that gives up hard contact. So you're not worried about that. He just has good strikeout stuff, but when he's missing, like the ball will be booming. Um, and, and like. You know, if, if we look at, like, his season as a whole last year, like, we saw multiple times where this dude, like, showed the ability to strike out 10 guys and gave up home runs in the process. Well, this is opening day. He's not going to get that 115-pitch window where, you know, you know, he can strike out 10 and, you know, give up a couple home runs. I just don't think this is necessarily the spot. Um, on the L.A. side of things, I mean, I love Trout. We can't play Otani, obviously, because he's pitching. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do here with LA because Rendon and Trout and Stassi obviously all make sense. Um, Mike Trout is one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, we just haven't seen him healthy. What are your thoughts here on the Angels? Yeah, like I said, I think I'm going to go back to Valdez for a minute to make my point. I think Valdez is, can limit the damage for as long as he's in the game. Uh, we won't have to worry too much about the bottom of this lineup. Um, but, you know, it's all about what we get after that. Um, I do think if you're playing Trout tomorrow, you're spinning up to be different, like completely. Um, I, I don't think this is the best spot for the Angels overall. I'm probably mostly going to be fade on them. Um, for the most part, and just kind of take a wait-and-see approach with how this lineup starts to gel. Um, I just don't think today is the day that, that we target the Angels. I mean, it's been so long since we've had, like, a fully healthy trout season to look at his numbers um, against lefties, so we really don't know what to expect just in general from him. You know, we look back to 2020, and he – had a good fly ball rate. We looked to last year and he just hit everything on the ground. So uh, he's 6,200. You're going to need 
you know, massive payoff at that price point. And it is a, it is a slate where pricing is a little soft and, you know, I'll be honest with you. Well, the first lineup that I built earlier today when I was messing around, it had trout. Like it's not hard to get Mike trout in your lineup. So I don't know if he stays in my main lineup or not, but you know, he's definitely someone that I'm considering because it's Mike Trout. <laughs> like, yeah. No stats needed. He's Mike Trout. Moving <laughs> on. We finish out San Diego Padres, Arizona Diamondbacks. This game has an eight and a half total. The Padres are a 160 favorite. We got you Darvish going up against Madison Bumgarner. We'll start here with you Darvish. Um, I mean, if price wasn't a thing and it is kind of soft, then Darvish is someone that, you know, we definitely should be considering here. He's 9,500. Great strikeout stuff throughout the years. Good swinging strike rate. Uh, this lineup's not a huge strikeout heavy lineup, but it's not the best lineup. Like, the best hitter in this lineup is Marte. He usually hits second. David Peralta used to have <laughs> – it seemed like he used to be decent. But, oh, man. I mean, just, gosh – you know, Christian Walker's a righty and like he'll hit fourth here. I just, I, I think Darvish cruises here. Um, so I think if you want to pay up and get the safety of taking Darvish, go right ahead. Um, I'm not going to talk you off of it. Yeah. Here's the crazy part about Darvish, Stevie. As much as we want to say, oh, Darvish, you feel like he's a mixed bag of results, right? Like that's how it feels throughout the season. But then you look at his long-term numbers and he's had 29.4% K rate and a 3.7 X flip. Like the guy's been fine. Like it's just because he's going to have one game where you're like, who is this guy? One or two games, we make that, you know, who he is. That's not who he is though. And so I, I love Darvish here. I think it's a good spot for him. Yeah. He's got to maybe pitch around Quito Marte. Who's got, you know, He's not going to strike out, but he's not someone I'm I'm completely worried about. And then the bottom of this lineup, my goodness, uh, a field day here, 33% K rate to righties, 26% K rate to lefties. Uh, just if he can limit the damage, limit the hard contact in the spot, we're, we're going to be just fine. And when I look at uh, these numbers, he's got a good pitch mix. Uh, and he's also going to be mixing in the, the cutter. I mean, he, his numbers are fine. I, I like Darvish here. Darvish and Bieber are for sure a really, really good combo. I, I just like Malley a little bit more because of the price. But in terms of the skills, I do think Darvish is the better skill play here uh, at 9,500 for sure. Yeah, I think if – I mean, if, you, if you're going to pay up a pitcher on the slate, I think Darvish over Freed, uh, I think, is how I, I would rank Darvish over Freed. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um. The other side of this game, Madison Bumgarner. Um, you, you honestly never know what you're gonna get from Madison Bumgarner, but I'll, I'll say this: um, he's not like he's Madison Bumgarner, the name Madison Bumgarner, but he's nothing like he was before. Um, before, you know, years and years ago, he just—I mean, he's he's 32, 33 years old, and I mean. He's my age. Well, gosh, getting old. <laughs> um, but yeah, Madison Bumgarner last year, 5.2 X FIP, 44% fly ball rate, strikeout rate, saw a huge dip last year. Um, a decent strikeout. Like he's always been 
a guy that can strike out lefties. Like it, it's always been a thing. Um, I really don't have a ton of interest in Bumgarner here. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not playing Bumgarner uh, on this slate at all. Um, just not even going to worry about it. He gets the X button. All right, let's talk bats here. Any interest in the Padres bats? Oh, plenty. Machado. Love Machado here. I think it's a good spot for him. He's 4,800. Uh, we'll probably get him over 5K a lot this season. So I, I like that. Luke Voigt, Stevie. Over at San Diego, 3,500. Uh, like him as well. Uh, you know, Will Myers, 3,400. Like, this team is just priced down. Of course, um, uh, you know, their, their number one hitter is, is not in the, the lineup in Tatis, and that's okay. Um, but I, I think this team will be able to tread water long enough. A, a really good spot here for Bumgarner. I mean, for, for the Padres against Bumgarner. Being able to roll out Machado, Voigt, uh, Myers, I, I like those guys a lot. I mean, I can tell you right now that I'm looking at Washington, I'm looking at Houston, and I'm looking at the Padres. Um, I love San Diego in this spot, and – I mean, you mentioned Luke Voigt. He is extremely cheap at 3500 and we get to save some money here with a first baseman with a lot of pop. Will Myers is 3400 so now I'm getting two guys that should hit back-to-back from each other. Um, so, I mean, Austin Nola, a catcher with some pop in that lineup. Machado is Machado. His numbers against lefties last year, he really struggled, but I think this is a great spot for him. You know, you look at it, and he had a 211 Babip against lefties last year. So he got a lot, he got unlucky a lot uh, against lefties, but the exit velocity and everything, um, great. But one of my favorite catcher plays on this slate is Austin Nola. And I love pointing out catchers because that's. <laughs> just what i like to do um but yeah i like i like this spot a lot for nola i really like the spot for voight and myers and machado i wish gresham wasn't batting leadoff in this spot because i really don't want to stack him um but i probably will end up playing him because i mean if my stack's going off then i think that bumgarner doesn't last long in this game but bumgarner even at 32, 33, whatever he is, is still solid against lefties. Um, so Arizona bats, the last bats we're going to talk about here going up against Darvish. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons that I think you could play Darvish is because this lineup is not great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talked about it. Um, Marte is probably going to be fine. I do think Pavin Smith will be okay. But all in all, the bottom of this lineup, and even part of the top, I don't think we have much to worry about. Definitely like Darvish. Looking at him right now, Steve, we got him at five and a half on the books. In terms of Ks, I'm, I'm taking the over there. I just, I think he can get at least seven Ks in this spot. Yeah. Um, that, that was that was my way of saying I'm not playing anyone from Arizona. Sorry. Yeah, I just, like <laughs> I said, I, I think this is kind of a safer spot um, for Darvish, and I just – where I could okay, so here's the thing, right? Where I could see Houston get to Otani and be contrarian as like a stack, I don't necessarily see the same thing from Arizona. I think if you're going to play Arizona, you stack the front, the top three: Varsho, Marte, Peralta, and hope they get to Darvish. But it's not my favorite thing. So, yeah. 
All right, let's play the morning grind game, and then we're going to get out of here. Thanks for hanging out with us on the opening day podcast. A little bit slower for opening day because it's opening day, and we love baseball, and it's back, and we're excited. But um, give me a pitcher under 8K to get six or more strikeouts. Um, I'm growing my boy, Tyler Malley. I like it. Um, I think he's probably the best option to get the strikeouts. Um, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go McGill because I do, I think he has the next best chance to get that number. Um, he's by far not the safest option, but I think he has the next best chance to get that number. We're going to skip the next question because the next question is who's over 8K to score under 15. And I think all three of those pitchers are very capable. So, and there's only three. So give me a hitter over 4K to hit a home run today. Um, I think I'm going to go with, with our number one guy. Um, I don't, I, I'm not going to say I don't think it's close, but I think it's Juan Soto, man. He, he, he looks really good today. As long as that game plays, let's go with it. As long as that game plays, really like Juan Soto here uh, in this spot. I'm going to go Pete Alonzo. I'm going to stay in that same game. Um, I'm going to go Pete Alonzo, opposite teams, you know. So, yeah. And then under 4K to get two hits. I think I'm going Luke Voigt at 3,500. I, I like that against Bumgarner. Yeah, that price point is really good for him. Um, I, I definitely don't mind just how cheap he is. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Reliable, Cesar Hernandez, 2,900. Should bat leadoff here. I'm going to take the, the opportunities, right? <laughs> I'm going to take the leadoff spot. Um, at 2.9k and hope i get my my two hits so give me a give me a stack to score six or more runs today um <laughs> it's gonna be the mets man i just i think the mets go bananas here uh they look like a championship contender steven that, that's saying a lot considering we're in the same division but they <sighs> they got the pitching when it's healthy yeah it's Ah, like if they if they make the playoffs will like if they make the playoffs who wants to face degrom scherzer back to back nobody nobody (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) i'll sum it up tyler mcgill if he if he takes a step forward like yeah he could be serviceable i uh but it's i think it's the match for me today against corbin man this this lineup and I'm, i'm putting this out there now like this, this lineup is sneaky good from top to bottom right now. It's sneaky good, Steve. I mean, Marte Lindor, Alonzo, JD Davis, Escobar, Kana. Like that's that's sneaky good. And then you just throw James McCann in against lefties. It's I, I like the Mets. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like the Mets in this spot. Um I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go San Diego. I really like the Padres today. I was debating on the Padres or the Astros. I kind of already said that. I I laid out like what I'm really liking on this slate. Uh, I think pretty well. Um, 
but I I really like I really like San Diego. Like I think this is a great spot for them. Um, they're cheap. They're very easy to stack, and you know, I I like the like the fact that you have to make a decision on them. Like, are you going to play Hosmer? Are you going to play Luke Voigt? And I think for today, it's Voigt. So, yeah. uh, any bets standing out to you here? Um, I think, and, and let me check. I will say the books have Bieber at six and a half in terms of the strikeout prop. I think I'm taking the over in that spot on this one. Uh, inversely, the books have Burns at seven and a half, and we feel like Burns is going to be probably more limited than Bieber, I'm sure. Right? The problem is Burns is facing the Cubs, and I just he could still get eight strikeouts in five innings against his team. So, but Bieber at six and a half and Darvish at five and a half strikeouts. Those are two of my favorites. It'd be interesting to see that two o'clock game opened and it's up to 10 and a half. So I wonder if we're going to get Wrigley wind in that game. Um, mm. So something to kind of pay attention to Kevin Roth will have, I'm sure he'll have his um, weather report out soon uh, for opening day, but something to kind of watch that that line is, is really high. So anytime you see a, a run total over 10 in Chicago, you always you always think wind. Um, for me, I really like the over in this Mets Mets Nationals game. Um, you know, bet three sixty five still has an eight and a half. So if you're in the legal state with bet three sixty five, everywhere else is nine. I still like it at nine. Um, Fandle looks to have it almost at even money right now. So I like the over in that game. I think that game has some really high potential. Um. So I, I definitely don't mind that. And the other one that is is kind of interesting here as well is Padres. You can get them at plus money right now on a couple books, uh, Fanduel for one, at minus one and a half. I think the Padres handle the Diamondbacks um, in this game, and I think they can beat them by two two or more runs. So not something we always talk about spread in baseball. But this that line kind of stood out to me earlier today. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there. But that's going to wrap it up here for the opening day podcast. Again, Friday, tomorrow, uh, Justin and Grant will have a baseball and basketball podcast. So we'll have that. And then that's really it as far as basketball. That'll be the last basketball pod of the year. We're not going to do playoffs. We might talk playoff basketball on small MLB days, but we're shifting baseball. So, Will, it's been a pleasure. That'll wrap it up. Hope everyone has an awesome opening day. Good luck. We'll see you again next time.